in verse number 5, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. Um, we're in a series entitled, Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. Let me remind you that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are instructed to pray for wisdom, to ask for wisdom, but also to pray and ask for understanding, even to cry out for understanding. Um, one of the great prayers in the New Testament, in Ephesians 1, where the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to pray without ceasing for the church and the members of the church, the members of the body of Christ, that among other things, we would have a spirit of um, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And so we're talking about revelation. We're talking about understanding being revealed to you, not coming from outside of you into you, but coming from inside of you out of you. We also see where the Bible says that Jesus unlocked the disciples' understanding so that now they're able to understand things from the kingdom and from heaven and from uh, the spirit realm, amen, that uh, they were previously unable uh, to understand. Those, those doors, if you will, um, were locked. We, we see in um, uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians where uh, to the natural man uh, uh, the things of God are foolishness. Uh, but then also to the carnal man, this is the man or woman who's been born again, but their minds have not yet been renewed, um, that there are many things about God pertaining to God, what God desires to do in your life, through your life, um, that just are, you know, a, some of the carnal mind is unable to understand it, unable to receive it, to comprehend it. Um, but the Bible talks about those who are spiritually minded, Right. And, and to be spiritually minded, again, is life and peace. This is to understand things from a spiritual perspective. Now, in Matthew, the 8th chapter, we'll just put it up on the screen and read it, praise God. It says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. Now, I think we're going to get there tonight, but I just want to, as we're working our way through this, comment on a couple of things. First of all, I want you to notice that the centurion... Um, came to Jesus, okay? Jesus didn't go to him. He came to Jesus, all right? Now, that's, that's important because um, we have no record that Jesus was going to seek this man out, okay? So he came to Jesus, and notice that the Bible says he, he pled with Jesus. Um, and although we don't see the word specifically used here, what we know, of course, is Pleading with him means that he's asking Jesus for something. He's, he's um, making a case, if you will, um, for Jesus to help him with something. And so this is how he pled with him. He said, Lord, um, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion, let, me, let me go back. Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. Um. Maybe I've watched too many Matlocks or, you know, courtroom dramas, you know, over the years. Um, but, you know, have you ever, like, when the, when the judge or one of the uh, other attorneys will stand up um, when, you know, a, a witness is, like, being badgered or whatever, being asked the same question over and over again, and either the judge or another attorney will object and say, asked and answered, asked and answered. Okay. 
Well, notice, he asked, and Jesus answered. And Jesus' answer was, um, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, there's one other thing, again, that's just been um, on my heart uh, today as I've prepared and prayed and meditated uh, on, on this passage again. And I don't think it's something that we, matter of fact, I'm almost positive, at least in this time through this uh, account, that we've, we've yet to mention. And, and that is the element in this of intercession. The element of, in, that's in this of intercession. Um, so what is intercession? Intercession is when you go before the Lord on behalf of someone else. You are interceding. Um, the, the centurion wasn't there because he needed healing personally, but he was there on behalf of another. Um, he was there because someone that was very close to him, someone that, that he cared for, someone that he was responsible for, um, needed help that he did not have, that, 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 that he couldn't give. Um, and so he sought out someone, um, Jesus, who could help and, and who did have the ability uh, to help his servant. And so this is a, a classic example of intercession. And we know, again, from the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, uh, how uh, important intercession is, not, not just important in the, in, in the sense of its practice, but how near and dear it is to our Father God's heart, um, how, how much it uh, pleases Him um, when we use our faith for someone else, how much it pleases Him when um, we come before Him to uh, obtain help uh, and ministry, even healing, um, for another person. Uh, this is again a classic example of um, of intercession. Now, I don't I don't know what the centurion knew, as we've already pointed out. He didn't use the word faith. He didn't use any of these uh, biblical terms when he approaches Jesus. Um, and yet Jesus says, "Be it unto you as you have believed." Um, and, and, and so I don't know if he understood the, the biblical connotations of intercession, but again, this is exactly um, what he was doing. And so last week, and I'm not going to go back through all this, but, but last week we talked about you know, how different life experiences form within us a, a certain understanding um, you know, there are some things that you, you will never know until you experience them. That's why God says, taste and see that I'm good. He wants you to experience his goodness because he knows that if you ever experience his goodness and recognize his goodness in your life, that this is going to be something that is transformative. It's, it's, it's going to be something that, that forever marks you and forever changes you. And so we talked about some of the different experiences, but we, we pointed out last week that perhaps no other, um, you know, experience or institution, if you will, uh, forms a, a certain kind of understanding and mindset in people uh, like the military does. 
Um, it's, it's, a, it's a different approach to life. It's a different way of looking at things. Um, you know, there's this, you know, whole basic training boot camp where, you know, just things are instilled within a person in, in, in a very, um, you know, lifelike, realistic way, um, preparing them for when the bullets are real, preparing them for when um, other members in, in, in your uh, group, your platoon or what have you, um, are depending on you. And, and so we said that all of this uh, understanding that this centurion had, it played right into the measure of faith that um, he had been given, and so much so that his faith um, marveled um, Jesus. Now, I'm going to run through these. Again, I felt compelled to do this. I'm, I'm going to go real quick-like until we get to the one that we uh, left off on last week. But here, again, if I could just remind you, what did the centurion understood? What did he understood? What did the centurion understand? He understood that it seemed logical uh, that Jesus would do for his servant what he had freely done for many others, uh, that, that he would do for you know, somebody that was close to him what he had already done for many others. The centurion understood that Jesus was not acting alone, um, that he was uh, representing a king and a kingdom. The centurion understood the king and kingdom. Jesus represented, wanted people healed, and had the power to carry it out. There's a song that I've been playing uh, over and over. Certain songs kind of gravitate up towards the top of my playlist, and it's a song by Brandon Lake, Too Good to Not Believe. Have you heard that song yet? Too good. You know, people say that's too good to believe. Uh, Well, he says it's too good to not believe. And um, and there's a a lot of lines in the song, and then he kind of does what uh, Pastor Matt does sometimes. He just starts in the spirit, you know, uh, I don't think I don't think these are lyrics in the song, and he starts talking about all the things that he's seen. Um, he talks about he's seen cancer disappear, he's seen metal plates dissolve. He talks about a girl that he witnessed the Lord putting arches in her feet. Um, he talks about he's seen addicts finally free. He's seen prodigals come home. He's seen. Um, uh, families restored. He, you know, in other words, I'm getting chilled by. You need to hear the song. Praise God. Google it. Look it up. But, um, but there's a simple of all the lines in the song that that touch me, and I kind of go around singing. Um, there's a simple line in the song, and it, he says this to the Lord. He says, "You heal because you love." Amen. He said, "You heal because you love." Amen. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the thing, you know, that's, that's, I think, so important. The centurion understood that, that Jesus wasn't, like, begrudgingly healing people. It wasn't like, okay, another sick person, let me see. No, it, it, it was obvious to the centurion that Jesus, um, the king and kingdom Jesus represented, wanted people healed, and he had the power to carry it out. Uh, number four, the centurion understood the authority Jesus was under gave him authority over sickness and disease. That, that Jesus had authority over these things. Number five, it was inconceivable to the centurion that a subordinate would not obey a superior. So he recognized Jesus as being superior to these things, and he also recognized that if Jesus gave the word, that was all that was needed. Number six, it was inconceivable to the centurion that a subordinate would delay obedience to a superior. I'm not going to go back over that one, but that one just in my own personal meditation and you know, wanting to apply these things to my life... 
you know, we obviously see all kinds of things the Bible talks about, faith and patience and endurance and standing on the word and believing that you've received. And, and as we've learned recently, waiting on the Lord means expecting Jehovah and, 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 and things of this nature. And I'm like, well, Lord, you know, when I just felt so impressed, you know, 21 verses where we see that it happened immediately. Again, I think that we, we need to get our faith back to immediately. Amen. Um, Matt and Vanessa and I were talking before church about a, a situation that they're interceding on behalf of, an, of another person and believing for. And, uh, and this was something that came on them suddenly. And, uh, and Matt said, listen, we're believing that just as suddenly as it came on them, it's leaving just as suddenly. Amen. So, you know, sometimes, you know, a pain will hit you immediately. Okay. Well, the pain's going to leave just as immediately. Amen. And so, praise God. Of all the ones on the list, number six is the one I think I've, I've, I've wrestled with uh, the most. But again, you know, this was what the centurion understood. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've said it so many times over the years that, um, you know, we've had to unlearn a lot of things that we learned early on in church, well-meaning teachers, well-meaning pastors that, that taught us things contrary to the Word of God. And, and so it's, it's become... Uh, you know, a very popularly held belief, you know, that you have to wait for things. Um, think of all the people in the body of Christ that don't even believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but then you've got a whole other group of people who believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today, but it's not for everybody. That's their understanding. They're wrong, but that's their understanding. And, and then they believe uh, that, that if it is for you, you have to tarry for it. You have to wait for it, right? Well, again, not, the only thing required for somebody to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is for them to be born again. I mean, you can be born again uh, one minute and baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in unknown tongues the next minute, okay? But if you understand, if your understanding is that you have to wait and you have to tarry and you're waiting on God to drop something out of the sky on your head and and bold you over, or what have you. Well, if that's your understanding, then that's, notice, faith will flourish in an understanding heart. Notice how in this situation, we could talk about a thousand others, but in this situation, notice how the understanding of these things has put a limit on faith's ability to receive these things. So faith will flourish in an understanding heart. And so if, if we believe it takes a long time, then that's your understanding, <laughs> amen? But I believe, amen, that we can um, take, we've got God's word on it. And that's, that's what we, uh, if we've got God's word on it, then that's what we need to, uh, ex- notice, it, notice back to those who expect Jehovah. Well, do you expect Jehovah to manifest healing immediately or do you expect it to take, you know, six months? I mean, if you're healed at the end of six months, you're healed. That's, that's, thank God for it, Amen. Um, but immediately, amen. All right, number seven, the centurion understood he was not deserving, but unlike many others, he also understood that was not a factor. Number eight, the centurion understood healing was based upon Jesus' goodness and not his own. And for that matter, anything you receive from God is based on his goodness and not your own. Remember, he heals because he loves. He gives because he loves. The Lord told Brother Keith Moore that the greatest expression of love is giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. Amen. And so God is love and God is a giver. And so the centurion understood healing was based upon Jesus' goodness and not 
his own. And then number nine, the centurion understood that Jesus did not have to be physically present for his servant to be healed. Jesus' word was enough. Jesus' word was enough. And I think the question the Holy Spirit's asking us tonight is, is simply this. Is his word enough for you? Amen. In other words, we don't need his word and something else. We don't need his word and what Google has to say about it, right? Um, just the word, Jesus' word was enough. Now, again, let's not lose sight of, of, of what we're studying because, okay, let me, let, me, let me go at it this angle for a minute, okay? Was the centurion's faith unique? <laughs> it was definitely unique. I mean, it, it marveled Jesus. I mean, Jesus was like, would you guys look at this? I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel, okay? So his, his, his display of faith was unique. What do we account that to? Why was his faith unique? It was because of the way he understood things. Are you, do you see this? His understanding was the word's all we need. And it was inconceivable to him that if somebody in a position of authority spoke a word, that whomever that word was spoken to would, would in any way delay obeying it. Now, I do not agree with this. Don't misunderstand me. I do not agree with this. Um, but the statement goes something like, ignorance is bliss. Well, in this case, um, the centurion was ignorant of the ignorance that so many people have. He was ignorant of ignorance, right? In other words, he, he, he hadn't had uh, a, a bunch of television preachers tell him, you got to wait, or that God doesn't do it anymore, or that he only does it for a select group, or you got to earn it, or this, or that, or whatever. He didn't know any of that. He didn't, he, his understanding did, wasn't contaminated. It wasn't tainted by all of that. He had a very simple uh, approach to this, a very specific approach understanding and approach to this and all the other things it, it, to convince him that Jesus's word was not enough you would have you would have had to convince that centurion that the centurion's word was not enough do, do you see what I'm saying in other words he he understood that if he told us one someone under him to go do something if it meant go to the front line of the battle and die within 10 minutes this is the kind of authority that this man had Right? You, you, and, and so all the way down to life and death, um, does that sound familiar to anybody? It turned on, um, was in the power of what the centurion spoke. And so he understood that. And so his was very straightforward, very simple. It wasn't, wasn't cloudy, wasn't confused. You know, if you'd have tried to tell him, look, sir, you, you're, gonna, you're fixing to make a mistake. Now, let's discuss this before you get in front of Jesus because... You know, he will more than likely come to your house, and if he offers to come to your house, you, you better take him up on that offer. Don't, 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 you know. In other words, can you imagine somebody, a religiously minded person, trying to teach this man how to pray, how to teach this man how to receive healing? What all they would have told him, what all they would have said to him, how they would have tried to, to um, you know, prep him, um, you know, for this uh, audience with, with Jesus. And all the things religiously minded people uh, in our world today would have tried to convince him of. Now listen, you know, you, 
you know, so he would have been, no, 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 Jesus not to come to my house. I'm just going to tell him all he's got to do is say the word. You're going to tell him not to come? No, 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 no. See, it was, that's not how this works, sir, and all this other stuff. See, again, he didn't know anything about any of that. Very simple, very straightforward. And I, I think this is where the Holy Spirit, I, I don't think, I know that this is what the Holy Spirit's wanting the church to get back to. You know, all these, remember when Jesus heals, you know, he, he's about to heal the blind man and the disciples are wanting to have some big religious debate about it. <clears throat> Jesus, could you please tell us, was it this man who sinned or his parents causing him to be born blind? If they would have just thought about how ignorant that question was before they asked it, they probably wouldn't have asked it. So you're literally asking if this man sinned in order to be born blind. How He wasn't alive yet to commit a sin to be born blind. You, 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 you're seeing this, right? It's all this goofiness that, that factors in. It contaminates, it pollutes people's understanding of these things. The centurion didn't have any of that. He had military mindset. Your word is your bond. People live and die based upon what you say. You better think twice before you speak. Are you seeing all this? And so you think, well, that's so simplistic, and that's not, but notice Jesus' response to this simplistic, straightforward, don't have time for any of this other religious uh, uh, mumbo-jumbo. He marveled at what this man's understanding did for his faith. Now, we've covered a lot of things here. Um, where we left off on, uh, on last week was basically, so Romans 10 talks about how faith speaks. And, and, and of course, I pointed those verses out to you. I don't know if we've said it this plainly yet or not, but I've I wanted to point those verses out to you because, again, this Romans 10 hasn't even been written yet. Um, now, of course, the verses out of the book of Exodus that the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit quotes in Romans 10 have been. Um, the word is nigh you even in your mouth. Um, but this, this, again, is exactly the vein that the centurion is, is flowing in. Um, you know, He's saying, Jesus, you don't, you know, it, the, the questions in Romans uh, 10 are, will Jesus come down from heaven and fix this for me? Or will he come back from the abyss and fix this for me? And so the centurion is like, Jesus, you don't have to go to my house to fix this for me. Your word's enough. Your word's enough. So as we brought that into application um, for our lives, it, it comes back to how are we going to respond to what Jesus has already done. Now listen, I, I, does Jesus still touch people? Yes. His presence is in this room right now. Um, I don't know about you, but I sensed him strongly and mightily during praise and worship um, uh, tonight. Um, I, I sense him on me and, and with me right now. I'm, so if you think I'm saying that he doesn't touch people, doesn't put his hands on people, that, I'm not saying that at all. He absolutely positively does that. But there's a mindset. That's, that's, that's the key right here. 
it's this whole understanding of we're sitting back waiting for him to come do something for us that he's already done for us. This is an understanding that faith cannot flourish in, in a heart that understands that way, that, that, that doesn't factor in what all he's already said, what he's already done, what he's already given, this, the price that he's already paid to make all this available to us. Are you following what I'm saying? So people who, who you know, don't have any idea or understanding of any of that, but their approach is, Jesus, when are you going to do something about, um, you know, my troubled marriage? Jesus, when are you going to do something um, about my sick child? Jesus, when are you going to do something about my financial situation? Jesus, when are you going to... See, th- th- this, is, this, is the, this is what the righteousness of faith does not say. The righteousness of faith takes the word of God into your mouth and speaks it. Thank you, Jesus, for by your stripes I was healed. Thank you, Jesus, for the provisions that you've made. Thank you, Jesus, that you took the curse of, 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 of poverty off of me so the blessing of Abraham could come upon me. This is how the righteousness... By, I'm not saying Jesus doesn't do it. Yes, he does do it. Yes, he's at work in our lives. His word is living and powerful and working and active in our lives. His Holy Spirit is living and powerful and working and active in our lives. All of that, absolutely all of that. But... The, the key thing, I think, and I'm feeling so much better about this, so I hope whoever listened the last time we talked about this will listen to this one as well, because I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't still touch us and, and work in our lives and minister healing to us, but how about this one, okay? This is, I think, more about him being coming out from the grave, okay? Because remember, when he came out of the grave, Romans 10, the righteousness of faith does not say... Will Jesus come out of the abyss and do this for me? I don't, certainly that would include, follow me now, certainly that would include people who don't believe he was raised from the dead, but I don't believe that's exactly what the Holy Spirit was, was saying through the Apostle Paul to the church. When Jesus was raised from the dead, according to Romans 6, we were raised from the dead with him. This is when we became the body of Christ. And so, to think that we can't touch people and them recover is, is to think that we're not the body and to think that, that what Jesus died and was buried and rose victoriously over death and on the grave to produce in us somehow didn't work or didn't take or wasn't enough. So bottom line, the centurion understood that all Jesus had to do was his word was enough. He didn't have to be there to do it. That whatever power Jesus had, and of course we know that power was, was the, the, the Holy Spirit. It was, it was the glory of God that, that had been given to Jesus without measure. Who knows? No, see, Jesus as a human being, for him to go physically touch that person and, and, and heal them, he was going to have to take a trip. He was going to have to walk or ride it was it was he was clearly he wasn't planning on going to that man's house so it was going to be at least to some extent out of Jesus's way that was fine Jesus was willing to do it he was going to do it he was going to exert the physical energy uh, burn the calories if you will that was necessary to physically go and do that but this man recognized that Jesus physically being there was not a requirement that Jesus possessed a power and an ability that went beyond him 
that, that his words, in the same way that that centurion possessed an authority, he didn't have to be physically present for his words to be honored. He could speak them, send them by a messenger, and whoever heard them was going to carry it out. And he recognized that Jesus had that same thing operating in and through his life. Amen. Is this making sense to you? So are we going to respond as if Jesus never came to the earth? Are we going to respond as if he never did anything for us? Are we going to respond to whatever we may be dealing with or facing as if Jesus lost the battle with death, hell, and the grave? Or are we going to respond as if Jesus came to this earth as a, as a, as a human being, as a man? Are, are we going to respond in light of everything he's done for us? Are we going to respond um, as if he won the battle over death, hell, and the grave? Amen. All right. Praise God. Amen. Let's um let's stand. Praise God. Amen. All right. We're gonna to get to number ten next week. Lord willing. Amen. And I believe he is. I believe that's that's where we're headed. Um <clears throat> Part of um, part of my responsibility is um, is to feed you, and that, that sounds well, I mean, it's, it, 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 maybe it sounds odd to some people, but that's what I mean, that's that's what the scriptures say that that Father will give us shepherds, give us pastors who will feed us. Amen. And so, obviously, the feeding part, um, how do I say this? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. Amen. So, feeding and teaching are related, but not necessarily the same thing. Okay? In other words... Um, I can feed you rhema word of God meaning the Holy Spirit is on that word okay I can feed you something that you already know but it can still be food it can still bring are you following me it can still bring nourishment it can still bring sharpening and quickening and, and um, uh, faith by hearing not by having heard, okay? Um, and then there can be where we're being fed by learning new things. So, so feeding comes there as well. Um, you, you do understand, like, you know, Pam has certain dishes that she cooks, and as far as I'm concerned, she can cook them twice a week. You, you, you know, stuff I really like. You know, um, the, the other night, uh, uh, we can't, I can't remember. We came by to bring y'all something. I don't know. Vanessa had whipped up a chicken and broccoli casserole, and Matt said, "Oh, it's good. We eat it all the time." I'm like, "Yeah, and I see why. It was delicious." You know. So n- notice, it, it it doesn't have to be something you've never eaten before to feed you. Right? 
And, and what I'm learning in, in my life is there's, there's a depth. And, and um, let me, and I'm, I, I'm not telling you this to brag or anything like this. It's just, I'm just some things that are laid on my heart. And I'll, I'll encourage you to do it. I probably should have already encouraged you to do it. Okay. Um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Okay. There are um, 20 chapters in those four books. Six in Galatians, six in Ephesians, four in Philippians, four in Colossians. Okay. Which means if you read four a day, you can read all four in a week. And you've still got Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Are you following me? Which means in a year's time, you will have read those four books 52 times each. Okay? All right? Now, <clears throat> there, there are things that the Lord will show you <laughs> after having read it 20-something times that you've never seen before. It's, it's, that, to me, is like, I don't know, uh, it just, it's just amazing to me. It's like, wait a second, has that been there every time I've read that? Are you following me? Okay. Now, one thing that I've learned, too, is just in, because I've never done anything quite like this, okay, um, I got camped out in the book of Ephesians a, a few years ago, and, but I was listening to it, listening to it, listening to it over and over and over again in my ears, okay? Um, if you're not careful, you'll start phoning it in. You know, you, what does that mean? You just, just kind of read it real fast. So I've learned that get still, get quiet, read it out loud, okay? All right. So <clears throat> what are we doing? Among other things, we're feeding on the Word, Right, we're feeding on the word. I, I'm not going into all, all of this, but you know, there is. A, I have a, I have a physical food regimen. Okay, there's a, a a fortified drink that Pam and I drink every morning. Amen. Every morning, uh, it's healthy. It works for us. It's it's um, it sharpens us mentally. It's it, Metabolically, I mean, it's just to me, it's it's one of the greatest things the Lord ever showed me about eating. It's called bulletproof coffee. I've talked about it in here before. Um, that's an every morning thing for me. Every morning thing for me. Okay, so in the same way, you know, building certain parts of the Word of God just into your daily routine. Where in the same way that we feed on something at breakfast or lunch or whatever, that we're systematically feeding on the Word of God. Um, so, and the Holy Spirit will keep it fresh. Come on now. The Holy Spirit will keep it fresh. Praise God. All right. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you for these beautiful men and women. Lord, here in the room and watching us online, Father, I thank you that you're working in through our lives. Thank you, Lord, for understanding. We cry out for understanding. We ask you for understanding. And Father, your word contains understanding. And so this is why. 
we make it a priority in our lives. Lord, we feed on it. We feast on it, Father. We gorge ourselves on your word, Father. It's the one thing that we can never eat too much of, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you for, for challenging us and, and, and encouraging us and, 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 and nourishing us, Father, tonight. Because, Father, from your word, um, the bread of life, Lord, we, we receive strength. We receive uh, motivation. We receive momentum, Father. Um, we, we, we are built up and we're refreshed tonight. Uh, and we thank you for the opportunity, Lord. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you again for being here. Know that you're loved. Have uh, a great rest of your evening and week. And we'll see you Sunday, if not before. Praise God.